Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show. This week we are looking at volatility, the impact it can have on us psychologically as investors, and perhaps more importantly, how you can use it as a tool to enhance your trader performance. Plenty of information to take out of this, and please don't get overwhelmed. This is fairly sophisticated stuff, but when you plumb it into your trading plan in the right way, it's gonna help you make more informed decisions that you can be far more confident about. As always, make sure you take plenty of notes, but most importantly, make sure you take plenty of action. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my offsider and co-host, Mitchell Laurentiel. Good to be here, Mr. B. A bit of a role reversal today. You're dressed up. I'm dressed down, but looking dapper nonetheless. Well, thank you. Yeah, I've sort of you know put a bit of effort in today. Very nice. Hey, AB, just to uh, get started on today's topic, we're <laughs> going to be talking about navigating market volatility. A lot of our clients had a chat with us in regards to this, and we've seen it pop up in the investing landscape a lot recently. Ultimately, what we're trying to do is give mm. our, our listeners here success, uh, sorry, navigating for long-term success. Absolutely. Volatility, it is a, it's, it's a feature of investing, in, particularly in the stock market. And it's where news flow particularly can come along and, and, and really smash things. And you know, if we look back over the last year or so at some of the major events in the world, you know, terrorist attack on Israel, the second year of the war in the Ukraine, uh, things like that typically cause uncertainty in markets. And, and on the back of it, markets absolutely hate uncertainty. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and as a consequence of that, you see typically quite a strong sell-off in pricing. Uh, people dump out revert back to cash where they feel a little bit safer and it creates the spike as we're talking about today in what we call volatility. So rapid directional price movement typically to the downside. Oh yeah. So if we define volatility by definition, mm. it's the level of uncertainty and typically driven by events, as you say. Event mm. happens, more uncertainty, investors then react accordingly. So you mentioned the short-term impacts of volatility mainly with respect to price. Mm. Why do prices sell off and why is it so sharp, would you say, in the short term? I think you know, the, the, the price is being first out the exit door when something bad happens. Uh, and so you know, that creates this pandemonium of, of literally panic selling. Uh, and, I, and I've seen this you know, across the market cycles I've traded firsthand, you know, where you see this look of horror on people's face as they're panicking uh, and, and just get me out. I don't care what the price is, I need to be out. Uh, and that's a terrifying prospect because, yeah, there are a number of things wrong with that decision making. I'm sure we'll dive a bit deep on that as we go through the the uh, the podcast. But you know, it's it, it's it's irrational. So if we look at the longer term impacts then as well, AB, because it's not just the short term impact of price, there's also a correction thereafter. Mm. If you're an investor, for example, that might shift your level of valuation. Mm. Uh, it may cause you to reevaluate what your overall plan for investing mm. is as well, right? Indeed. I Things change always, and, 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 and if you look at the volume of information that's available in the marketplace now versus you know, when I started in this game or you go back 20, 30 years before that. So the express nature of a sell-off seems to get quicker and quicker now because information is available immediately. You, know, you can see online news instantly. It's not something perhaps that you need to read in the paper the next day. And as a consequence, people's decision-making is increasing in terms of its speed too. So you'll see a sell-off in markets and it typically now is far more rapid than what we would have seen in the past. The other side to that, of course, is there's far more leverage in markets now where people are using either borrowed money or, or instruments that are geared up that are very susceptible to a sharp price move and it can get very, very painful very quickly. So again, that need to hit the exit button is expedited by that. Back in the day, you know, if you think about 
some bad news. You you might have seen it in the news in the evening or read about it in the in the newspaper the next day. You know, if it was in London, you have the London Evening Standard that comes out, of course, in the afternoon, and you might have picked it up there. But the ability to act on that information typically is going to be a day later. So there's a significant slowdown in the gap between the event in itself and the action by investors who still hit the exit button, but did so over a day or maybe two days or maybe three days. These days, of course, with that purity and speed of information, it's it's far more instant. So we get a sell-off in markets. It starts to affect people's perception or they reevaluate, if you will, uh, the risks that they associate with investing. And then we'll bring everything back to the mothership for a while and, and, and slow it down a wee bit. And, and, and so, yeah, you can get a period where there's a, a then a follow through, if you will, of lower prices, maybe a, a continuing decline, albeit on a slower uh, rate where people are cashing out still over a period of time. First cut's always the cheapest one. That's where you want to be the first out the door because if you leave it a day, two days, three days a week and prices have continued to drop, obviously you're exacerbating your loss. That's right. So if we draw to maybe a, a sort of a brief history lesson then in your experience, AB, really three events come to mind. The 89 crash. <laughs> there might be for you. There's a lot more than three. Yeah, yeah. three Go big ahead. ones. What, 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 have you, what have you highlighted? Three big ones. The 1989 crash. The GFC and COVID, and I remember going through COVID okay. as a trader here, and that was scary. I'll, I'll tell you a bit about some some of these. So the eighty seven crash, eighty seven crash was, where, where was, was, was about was a couple of months after I'd made my first investment in the stock market. Oh, poor thing, and I got hosed. Um, so that one is a very vivid scar that's still on my back. Uh, probably dollar wise would have been. One of my smallest losses ever as an investor. What caused it? Uh, the, the 87 crash I'll get to in a moment. Uh, the, the, the dollar loss in itself was probably the biggest uh, biggest yeah, yeah, dollar loss, I'd, uh, or sorry, should I say smallest dollar loss I've ever made, probably biggest percentage because I worked pretty much my whole account out with that is about 500, uh, about 500 pounds or 300 pounds or something like that, which is you know, nothing now. Um, but nonetheless, great learning lesson. That's why I'm so fastidious on teaching risk management because my very first investment was a very much a nosebleed and probably a fractured jaw for me. So we had a sell-off in the US as always, and that then kicked over into the UK. And what actually happened in the UK, there was, there was a, um, there was a, for want of a better description, a hurricane. I don't think you get hurricanes in the UK, but uh, whatever it was, it was inclement weather, blew a heap of trees over. So a lot of the railway lines were shut down, there was a lot of debris on the rail tracks. So a lot of traders that live in back in the day, would live in what was called the stockbroker belt, which is Surrey, Essex, places like that, and coming into the city to work. So they couldn't come in on the Monday because the weather was too inclement. So they came in on the Tuesday, a day later, which exacerbated the crash. How oh, funny no. is that? Whereas these days, of course, work from home, you'd be trading from your system at home. There wasn't even internet trading then. So that dates that story. So the '87 crash was a was was a, was, a, was an absolute ripper. If I look through, you know, the '90s, '97, um, you had uh, the Asian currency crisis. Russia defaulted on its debt. '99 or 2001, you had the dot com correction, which you know was dramatic and took the Nasdaq you know 15 years to recover from. But the initial sell off was was over a period of about four days, which was brutal. Bang, 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 four days of down. Um, and as you say, you then go through and look at the GFC in 2007, uh, or indeed the COVID correction of 2020, and they're quite some distance apart. Those big corrections that people are nervous about, no, the stock market could crash or correct, they're, they're always quite some distance apart time-wise, you know, usually a decade or more in some instances between them. But all of them have a very similar DNA. They didn't happen overnight. If you look at the charting, you could see that markets were looking very, very toppy. 
and you start to get either a rounded top where you start to get some basic charting analysis, some, some lower highs. So that, that there's a period of notification saying, look, this market looks like it's run out of puff. Uh, you probably should be a little bit careful here. And then bang, the sell-off happens. And you know, what happens in that scenario? People think, oh, that, that was overdone. There's no way it should have dropped 20%. <laughs> um, it'll, it'll recover tomorrow and it's down another 10 tomorrow. Uh, you know, it becomes very expensive. So first cut's always the cheapest. Get out, get out early, hit the exit, done. Or buy protection, which I'm sure we'll get on and talk about. So let's do that. You talk about being fastidious on risk management, and I totally see why. What brings to mind, what springs to mind, excuse me, when you talk about risk management for investors out there? Look, there are a number of different layers that you, you can put in play. You know, a stop loss is is, is a must, I would say. Um, the difficulty you have in very volatile markets is that a market can trade through that stop loss, giving you a gap, so it exacerbates your loss. Still better than holding on while it's plummeting, but nonetheless, you can make a, a bigger loss. I guess in the broking industry, we've got a lovely term for that that softens it just because you've made a bigger loss. You know, it's just, it's just slippage. Uh, it's not just slippage, it hurts when it's your money. Ooh, yeah. so, so stops are one way that you can uh, you can put things in play. Um, buying protection through options, so buying some put options, for example, uh, to protect yourself if your view is the market's looking pretty toppy. There's no point buying insurance after the event. If your house is burnt down, you can't go and buy house insurance. It's too late. Flood insurance after it's flooded, too late. So these are things you need to do prior to uh, the event. I guess um, hedging is a, is another way, a little That's bit more one. sophisticated, and I think we can tie that in, you know, quite nicely to volatility uh, as we get on and talk about perhaps the VIX index in a few minutes' time, um, whereby you you take the opposite side of the trade or, or a portion of your portfolio is positioned on the other side of the trade. So if you've got a, a blue chip portfolio that's um, looking to make money when markets go up, maybe buying uh, a bearish ETF uh, gives you some ability to profit from a bearish market. I think it should be pointed out that if you hedge, you're not going to make any more upside, but you're not going to make any downside. It's just going to keep you positioned pretty much gotcha. square, uh, which obviously is better than being underwater with it. Um, but it does restrict your upside ability because if the market keeps going up, you're going to lose lose money on your hedge. So you know, they would be the main things. Diversification, of course. Um, sectorial, you mean? Sectoral, so more defensive. Different, different types of instruments. So you can buy some equities and, uh, and bond exposure in the same portfolio to give you a little bit of uh, diversification in there as well. Are ways to sort of tiptoe around that. So they're the risk management tools, but probably the hardest part for investors is the psychological, the mistakes that we see during the volatility, but mm -hmm. most importantly, after the volatility. Yep. A couple spring to mind is that negative bias. So because it's happened in the past, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen in the future, but that's mm -hmm. the way that we're wired, right? Absolutely. Human nature is such that, um, you know, we expect the same thing to happen over and over again, which, you know, the one thing we learn from history is the fact that we don't learn from history. Uh, a <laughs> bit of a profound comment, but nonetheless a truism. Uh, and that psychological bias in times of panic um, is huge. As I say, you know, when you can really see the whites of someone's eyes, and I appreciate that sounds quite dramatic, but you know, having been on trading floors when there have been corrections, and 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 as a trader, if you're just clipping the ticket on the way through and you're filling orders for a, a fund or, or, or a bank, it's not your money. But you can still see that fear uh, across the face of traders under those circumstances too, where that sort of red mist has come down and it's panic that's really setting in. And in actual fact, it's a time to be very measured as to what you want to do. So how do you combat that? It's all right talking about it, but how do you actually combat it? And I would suggest for everybody that's invested in markets, making decisions in the heat of the moment is just about the worst thing you can do. You know, if, to give you a very simple example of that, if, you, if you're in a relationship and hypothetically you've ever, ever had an argument whilst in that relationship, chances are you might have said something you've regretted. 
many but times. But once it's said, it's said. You can't undo that. But it was said in the heat of the moment because it was highly emotionally charged. Trading can be just the same. So one of the best ways of protecting yourself from making those rash, emotive, red mist decisions is to have a plan before you get into the trade. So when you, before you enter into a position, this is what I'm going to do if this happens, this is what I'm going to do if that happens, and this is what I'm going to do if the brown stuff hits the fan. So you've got a detailed, written down plan that you're committed to. And so if and when any of those events happen, you simply revert to what your plan was and execute it. It takes a lot of self-discipline to do that. But you made those decisions before you were in the trade. And the reason you need to do that is once you're in the trade, one of the emotions that you can bring through is a psychological condition. It's called the endowment effect. So when you own something, you feel very different about it than if you didn't own it. Uh, if, it's, if, it's, if it's something that's not yours, you're very objective about it. When it's yours, you can be quite emotive. So before you get in the trade and you don't own something, this is what I'm going to do. BHP, I'm going to buy it at this price. If it gets there, I'm going to take profit. But if it drops that, I'm out. That's a really simple three-point business plan. All you got to do is execute it now. Sounds easy, right? Got you. Except for when it's your dollars and you're going, oh, gee, you know, I'm making this loss. And, and, and that's what you have to avoid. And that's why that sort of trading plan is, is so important to help him manage that emotion out. One thing I wouldn't mind mentioning too is the notion of being underconfident because when we see times of volatility and a price correction, mm. that can more often than not be a great buying opportunity out there. Yep. Not being confident enough to pull the trigger and execute your plan is something that so many people struggle with up top. Absolutely. And, and that's the work goes into learning how to do this. And step number one as a trader, first year go break even. If you can break even in year one and be consistent, that's the goal that you should set yourself, not profitability. Profitability comes in down the line. So talking about that, so the opportunity that comes from times of volatility. Ooh, so yes. A case study here. Can we I, I can give you, can we get <laughs> one give of you those? a couple of those? This I'm is sure. awesome. So Conditioning yourself mentally, if you think about the horrific events of 9-11, which was another correction we saw in markets, uh, terrible as it was back in September 2001. And during those horrific terrorist attacks on the Twin Towers, you saw firemen running towards the flames, which for any normal person is just madness. But their dedication to what they do and their strength of desire, I suppose, to save lives and put the desire to save lives ahead of their own, huge respect for those guys, no question about it. It comes from mental hardness of being trained and disciplined and focused and in the right space and, and, and a huge acknowledgement to the relatives, families and, and survivors of that because that was that was gnarly. I nearly lost one of my very best friends in that, that particular time. Trading is not dissimilar to that, and apologies if that's a crass crossover in terms of analogy, but when the flames are on and you run towards them, there can be great opportunity. Now, what do I mean by this? Well, if you look at the volatility index, the VIX index, which is traded on the Chicago Board of Options Exchange, that is a measure, it's known as the fear index. And this is a measure that measures the historic volatility. Well, it's not that, we'll talk about what it measures in a moment. It's looking at volatility in markets. And typically, it's looking at the next 30 days of what's priced into markets. And this is a brilliant measure to use. Why? Because almost every technical indicator you can have as a trader is rear looking, moving average, Bollinger Bands, RSI, it's all looking at the past. Volatility is a forward looking indicator because it's assessing where the market foresees price action is likely to go over the next 30 days. So it's an invaluable tool to say what's around the corner. It's almost like a, a trade radar if you wanted to use that particular term. And 
you can't trade the volatility index, but nonetheless, there are ways of trading its price movement we'll get to. So when you chart it, if you look at the, the VIX index, yeah, roughly speaking, I'm probably out on these numbers, but over since it's his, since it started out, it's probably traded in a range of about probably eight to about 85 ballpark, uh, maybe a bit higher than that, maybe a bit lower, but that's a huge range for an instrument uh, in terms of its ability to, to move around. Um, when volatility is low, markets are typically trending higher and trending smooth, reasonably smoothly, but definitely trending higher. When it spikes up, and it happens to do that extremely quickly, can double in a day almost, and more sometimes. I yeah. mean, that thing will just fly when when there's a sniff of nervousness in the market. It moves up very quickly. It also drops away quite quickly too. So you've now got something that's a measure of volatility, and we'll talk about how to trade it in a few months' time. But where it really comes in quite handy, if you overlay the volatility index over, say, the S and P five hundred, they're almost perfectly inversely correlated. So when the S&P drops, volatility index goes up. When VIX is dropping, the S&P goes up. So to an extent, you can almost use it as a tool to help confirm time to get back into the market, running toward the flames, to use the analogy from 9-11. So we've had a massive spike up in volatility, and let's say it's up at 75. There's been some calamitous event that's driven it higher. Meaning prices have sold off, right? Prices have sold off at a very, very extreme fashion. That's a really good sort of flashing light, not to buy, but to be getting yourself in a mindset of buying because prices are likely to be oversold. They may drift down a little bit lower, but nonetheless, the big event has happened. And as the air comes out of the balloon of volatility and it starts to ease back down again, that's where price stability starts to come back in the market, which to another extent is really where your buying opportunity sits. And it's so counterintuitive as to how most investors in the stock market think, which is why the stock market is a transfer of wealth to many people that have got no idea what they're doing to a very small group of people that are making a killing. Because the people that are making a killing are tapping into tools like the VIX index to use it as a radar to see that, okay, prices are leveled out, vol started to drop again, time to start to get back in, as opposed to, oh, I'm leaving that alone, I'm gonna liquidate my portfolio at the ding-dong low in the market. Gotcha. You could use that as a hedging tool very effectively, which we've done many yep. times. Case study from you, though, mm. if we can, AB. Yep. So I know you've traded the VIX, UVXY, very similar instrument before. Mm. Yep. Talk to us about a, a really profitable trade that you've had on either of those two. Look, VIXI is an exchange-traded fund based based around the VIX. Uh, and if you really want to clear your pipes out, uh, then uh, UVXY, which is the geared version Ooh, yeah. of that. And I, I'd err uh, extreme caution with playing with that. It's white phosphorus. You're going to burn yourself. I'm not sure what you're about. And uh, yeah, I've had some great trades on both of those, both in terms of capital moves on the underlying index and also in terms of options trading around that. So, you know, as you start to layer this up, and if you've got volatility that's at a very low level, but there are events going on in the world that are building that you expect things to pop. You know, using options on volatility can be a very interesting and lucrative way of playing it. You know, you put a straddle on VIX at low levels, for example, or, or, or buy some very, very long-dated calls on that with a view for the, the, the spike when it comes to enhance the value of them. The challenge, of course, is that volatility over the long term is a declining asset. Why? Well, I mentioned earlier that volatility is the inverse of the S&P. And the S&P 500 over the long term has got an upward bias, you know, about 9.5% uh, per year over the last 20 years. So it's got a natural inclination to move higher, which means if the VIX is the inverse, it's going to have a natural inclination to, to decline. So maybe being long term short, the VIX might be a play. But again, 
when you get those volatility spikes, like that, that can well, be quite a nerve-wracking time too. So these are they're, they're sophisticated strategies, but I mean the point is there are ways that you can you can play these. And I think the biggest takeaway for people listening to this, irrespective of where you're at in the journey, is start looking at the VIX index and on those big big spikes in volatility. That you look back through history; they prove to be also very good buying opportunities, and that's the lens to look through. And there we have it: navigating market volatility strategies for success. Mm. AB, thank you very much for your time today. My pleasure. Anytime, Mitch. There you have it, guys. Make sure you give us a review and a rating for this show so we can get the message far and wide, and we'll look forward to helping you out next week.